1: <clears throat> also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We have a terrific show for you today. We're we'll going to be visiting with Keith Law, co-founder and CEO of the Florida Citizens Alliance. Seton Motley is the founder and president of Less Government. We'll visit with Seton as well as Dr. George Markovich, orthopedic surgeon, replaced both of my knees in 2006 and my hip. Uh, Two years ago, just did a great job, and uh, we'll find out what's new in orthopedics. And also we'll visit with former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett. It is November the 2nd, and on this day in 1948, in one of the greatest upsets in presidential election history, Democrat incumbent Harry S. Truman defeated his Republican challenger, Governor Thomas E. Dewey of New York, by just over 2 million popular votes in the days preceding the vote. Uh, Political analysts and polls were so behind Dewey that on election night, long before the votes were counted, the Chicago Tribune published an early edition of the banner headline, Dewey Defeats Truman. Harry Truman was thrust into the presidency by Franklin D. Roosevelt's death in 1945. Approaching the 1948 presidential election, he seemed to stand a slim chance of retaining the White House. Despite his effective leadership at the end of World War II and sound vision in the confused post-World War Uh, most voters still v- viewed Truman as an ineffectual shadow <clears throat> excuse me, of his former predecessor. He also antagonized Southern Democrats with his civil rights initiatives. Most were sure that Dewey would take the uh, White House. In the last weeks before the election, Truman embarked on a whistle-stop campaign across the United States in defiance of his consistently poor showings in the polls. He traveled to America's cities and towns fighting to win over undecided voters by portraying himself as an outsider contending with the do-nothing Congress. Truman, a one-time farmer who was elevated to the pinnacle of American politics because of his reputation for honesty and integrity, won the nation's affection, and he nearly won a second term. I, one of the, I think, truly great presidents of the United States. Uh, gee, he remember the uh, sign on his desk, the buck stops here? And it certainly did. He made big decisions. And uh, he uh, was an outstanding president, in my thought. Also a very honest man. He was invited to be on the board of uh, many companies after he retired his, from the presidency. He refused because he said, they don't want me. They just want my title, my former title as president of the United States. Harry S. Truman. Well, the Texas Rangers won baseball's World Series last night, beating the Arizona Diamondbacks by a score of 5-0 to close out the series in five games. The Rangers overcame a six-inning no-hitter by Arizona pitcher Zach Galen. The title ends decades of suffering for Ranger fans. Founded in 1961, Texas was the oldest franchise to have never won a World Series and owned the second-longest championship drought behind the Cleveland Guardians. Texas Rangers uh, win the World Series. Uh, they happen. I think they came from Washington D.C. I think it was the Washington Senators before they moved to Texas. Maybe that was the maybe the uh, uh, that was the second second Washington Senators team. In any event, U.S. markers closed higher uh, yesterday after the Federal Reserve kept interest rates unchanged. U.S. job openings rose nine point six million to in September from nine point five million in August per the Labor Department's job openings uh, survey. So markets were up, and that wasn't good, and uh, like right now futures are looking pretty good as well. Well, Grand Canyon University, the largest Christian university in the United States, faces a record $37.7 million fine by the federal government for allegedly misrepresenting the costs of its graduate programs. Now, this is not world-shaking news. The only reason I bring this up is because when I read it, I found it so ironic that somehow, some way, the federal government is uh, <laughs> charging Grand Canyon University for ex- exabi- uh, uh, exaggerating the costs for graduate education. The United States government—I don't think they've ever been correct when it comes to the costs of what's going on here in the United States. Anyhow, they're going to pay a large fine. More than 500 Americans and their families members are t- trapped in Gaza, unable to get home because Gaza, uh, Hamas. Authorities are denying them free exit according to multiple reports. While the exit number is unclear, Israel Defense Forces have said 230 Americans are being held by Hamas in Gaza, Forbes reported Tuesday, while others report the number as high as 500. During the appearance uh, that day before the Senate subcommittee appropriations, Uh, Committee Secretary of State Anthony Blinken said, we're working on this every single day. We have about 400 American citizens and their families. Uh, So it's roughly a 1,000 people who are stuck in Gaza and want to get out, he said. Well, he's working on it. So uh, while the Americans are not necessarily being held by armed Hamas terrorists in underground tunnels, they are being trapped in Gaza against their will. Although... Hundreds of foreign passport holders and groups of severely injured Palestinians were allowed to cross into Egypt yesterday, the first civilians to leave the Gaza Strip during the three-week conflict. Egypt uh, thus far has declined to allow refugees to cross the border, citing the potential for an unmanageable number of refugees, uh, concerns refugees won't be allowed to return to their homes following the war, and mistrust of Hamas and other Islamic militant groups. So they're protecting their borders. Hmm, we should take a page out of that book. Uh, U.S. officials suggest as many as 600 American citizens remain in Gaza, some of whom were among those allowed to exit (coughs) with the initial group. Separately, Israel has effectively begun a ground invasion of the 140-square-mile territory with at least four reported incursions. Analysts say the troop movements appear designed to isolate Gaza City from the south. Israel officials have warned a sweeping invasion of Gaza will be significantly challenging, requiring troops to navigate an extensive set of tunnels believed to be hundreds of miles long. Many of the more than 200 hostages taken by Hamas in, is in its initial October 7th attack had, against Israel are likely held underground. <clears throat> it's a tough situation. I hope we can free them. We don't have a good history of that under the Biden presidency. Remember what happened in Afghanistan. Well, one of life's great mysteries, how does the United States government manage to divert $400 billion of taxpayer money to green energy subsidies and somehow the solar and wind companies still manage to lose money? The answer, the same way the government pays people $7,500 to buy an electric vehicle and car buyers still won't buy them. The latest analysis from the Wall Street Journal highlights the financial problems with renewable energy, the supposed power sources of the future. Clean energy stocks have fallen out of favor, for sure. The iShares Global Clean Energy ETF closed Wednesday at the lowest level since July of 2020. The exchange-traded fund invests in renewable energy companies and utilities in line with benchmark com- uh, compiled by the S&P Dow Jones indices, including First Solar and Plug Power. Has plunged 33% this year. Many stocks are down, but not 33%. Some stocks have fallen even harder. U.S. listed Enphase Energy has shed 40, 64% in 2023, while competitor Solar Edge Technologies has sunk 71%. Excluding stocks that have been ejected from the SP, Solar Edge ranks as the index's worst performer this year. There is no global energy transition going on. If there is one, there's one away from green energy, not towards it. The consumer is speaking, and uh, they just ain't buying it, quite frankly. And uh, I just check car lots. So there's a lot of a lot of EVs for sale. Well, the NIH, the CDC, and the FDA, and the rest of Washington public health bureaucracy took a big hit in their reputations during COVID. Deservedly so, given how unprepared they were and how un- god-awful their advice and lockdown orders were during the first year of the pandemic, Dr. Scott Atlas, one of America's greatest warriors, you may recall he was uh, representing President uh, Trump at, at, uh, after, <coughs> after uh, Fauci was moved out of the role. against destructive COVID lockdowns, has offered some sound advice to make sure these abuses of power by the health bureaucrats are not ever repeated. And here are a few of our favorite reforms that he suggested require Congress congressional approval of any public health emergency beyond a strict two week or other similarly short time period. Get congressional approval. I have to be able to continue more than two weeks. Replace the heads of the CDC, the NIH, and the FDA and impose time limits on their successors and on all other top and mid-level posts at public health agencies. Prohibit FDA, NIH, and CDC employees from receiving drug royalties from their taking-related private jobs uh, or from taking uh, private jobs for five years, take away from CDC and other public health agencies any power to impose mandates and other legal requirements, make them strictly advisory, and terminate binding agreements with and pledges to the World Health Organization. There are some a few recommendations right there that I could buy into 100% uh, from Dr. Scott Atlas. And in a similar vein, Pfizer reported a third-quarter loss during Tuesday's earnings call as the demand for its COVID vaccines and, and one popular antiviral medication to treat the virus decreased substantially. The pharmaceutical giant announced it's re- recorded a record write-off of 5.6 billion dollars uh, due to uh, the drug Paxlovid. I'm sorry, Paxlovid, and its uh, vaccine uh, that the comority, Paxlovid lost the company $4.7 billion while the mRNA vaccine was responsible for $900 million in losses. The company reported a quarterly revenue, quarter revenue of $13.2 billion, which was down 42% from 2022, uh, second quarter. So they still made a lot of money. But uh, you know what? The market is speaking again. Good to see uh, Pfizer losing some influence in the market. So, let me ask you a question. Do you favor having more IRS agents or more aid to Israel? It seems one of the few people in the United States who prioritizes the IRS expansion is Joe Biden. In the June debt deal... Uh, Biden agreed to expand the IRS by $60 billion instead of $80 billion in the Inflation Acceleration Act. But now he says that if there's any cuts in his plan to supersize the IRS, he will veto Israel aid funding. Does this sound like a president who really has his priorities straight? I don't think so. He's uh, basically, and of course, the Speaker of the House now, is uh, Mike Johnson, is saying, look, we're not going to start uh, printing money again. If we're going to send money to Israel that wasn't planned, we'll have to cut something. And he's basically saying it's the IRS. Astonishingly, the best estimates are that 75% of Jewish voters chose Biden in the 2020 election. If Biden wants to veto his own aid package to protect the most abusive agency of government, the IRS, well, let him just makes no sense. Unbelievable. Uh, Well, the federal debt is expected uh, to rocket to 200% of GDP in the decade to come, but even that financially catastrophic number may be too optimistic. The new annual report of the Joint Economic Committee finds that Feds continually underestimate how large the debt will be in the future. So even if they come in with these rosy uh, numbers and it's only 200% of GDP, it's going to be pretty awful. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you give them a call. Also by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by Reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Keith Flaw, co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. at Lulubies.com and stop by Lulubies Diner, open from 8am until 2pm, 7 days a week Lulubies Diner, in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads, stop by Lulubies Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time Forty-five,
0: forty-one. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden.
1: Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. I just want to remind you that Bee's dinner, uh, Diner is known for terrific breakfasts and lunches. Now serving dinner Wednesday through Saturdays. 4 to 8 p.m. The menu's terrific. It's just great value. Informal. And you can just stop by and have a fantastic dinner. Wednesday through Saturday, 4 to 8 p.m. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Dr. George Markovich. Right now we have with us Keith Flaw, the co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance, also the CEO. Keith, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Good morning, Matt. Good morning, Keith. Tell us about the Florida Citizens Alliance.
3: Well, we're a, uh, a not-for-profit uh grassroots organization that focuses on uh, education, particularly K through 12 education and uh, here in Florida and what we're really about setting about to do is um, promoting things like school choice, uh, parental rights and stopping the indoctrination of uh, what's going on in our schools.
1: And uh, the Florida public school system is one of the best, and it's, I, I would say, in, in large part because of the work done by the Florida Citizens Alliance. In spite of that, there's shortcomings and there's a lot of work to do. Keith, I want to change the topic a little bit because you brought to my attention uh issue of the central bank digital currency, or the CBDC, uh, as an issue that's, that's a, just another threat, I think, to our uh, freedom and liberty. Maybe you can tell us about it.
3: Uh, sure. Uh, let's start with a question for you and your listeners. If you could put yourself on a gold and silver standard, would you do it? Absolutely. There's no, <laughs> there's no way the federal government can do that because we're $33 trillion in debt and there's not enough gold and silver to do it. Yeah. Uh, but uh, t- today you can buy gold and silver and you can store it in your local bank or put it under your mattress. Uh, but have you ever tried to go out to a restaurant and spend it? You know, you shave off a little bit of that gold to pay for your meal. Uh, It just doesn't work. Yeah. Uh, And so there's an author uh, and and an economist by the name of Kevin Friedman. He's written an amazing book called Pirate Money. uh, And he's carefully described a process that's constitutional that would allow each state to create a, a gold and silver depository. So it's just a storage facility where you put your gold and silver into that depository. They, you, you then get a, a debit card, and you can then spend your gold and silver on a fractional basis in, in your local Starbucks. Um, hmm. There's actually a there's actually an organization in Switzerland that's doing this called Glint, uh, but I think most of us would prefer not to. Ship our uh, gold and silver to another nation. Um, It's it's a fascinating process. Uh, The big question that you uh, and I think the first question you run into when you start to think about this is uh, why is this necessary? Yeah, and 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 I think the answer is pretty simple. Um, You know, we have a rogue federal government. They're stampeding towards creating this. central bank digital currency and that will allow them to weaponize your, your own money because it no longer becomes your money. You, you have a usage capability, um, but you have, you know, this digital currency and, um, you know, you'll have a credit card to spend it off of, but when you pull into your local gas station, if you've driven too many miles that, uh, that week, your credit card won't work. Uh, or if you want to buy a, uh, You know, you want to buy a new car and it's not um, economic or um, uh, friendly to environmental. You know, you can't buy that car. So this really allows the federal government, this central bank currency, really allows the federal government to control everything you spend your money on. And it literally, it's no longer really your money. Uh, You have a usage capability when they say it's okay. And so... That's where we're headed. I mean, China's well along the route to this uh, with their you know, with their uh, social uh, system of evaluation. Yeah. Um, and so some of that sounds pretty scary, and, and, and I'm sure you've got listeners who are listening to me right now who will listen and say, oh, that's stuff, The government would never do that. Well, look at where we've come in the last 10 years yeah. and ask yourself how we got here and uh, where's the end of this road. And it clearly is, uh, we're headed towards this, you know, this one world government where you no longer are in control of, uh, of and have your individual freedoms that we enjoy today. So um, what I encourage people to do, you can go to Amazon uh, or Audible. Uh, you can buy this book, Pirate Money. Uh, I encourage you to do that. It's not expensive. It's a, It's a very interesting read, to say the least. There are several states now that are moving aggressively this way. Uh, Texas started down this road, road uh, last legislative cycle. Uh, they created the depository, but they didn't get uh, legally set up the next step of, of the, you know, the credit card and the fractional ability to spend it. I was looking at this pretty seriously. Uh, two weeks ago when I was in Tallahassee, there was a group of us who met with over 30 legislators, hmm. including the Speaker of the House um and and what we got was an interesting reception it wasn't a hell no that's not doesn't make any sense was wow this is something worth looking at and uh it it, it, freeman goes out of his way to prove that it is constitutional uh under the you know the the u.s constitution Uh, again with the rogue government they could always declare it not but um You know, uh, my my conclusion is you're probably going to be a little bit better off doing uh, something like this, uh, at least as an option, maybe not a whole hog, but as an option, rather than storing that money under your your mattress. So
1: So interesting. um, So, Keith... uh how far along is this cbdc the central bank digital currency are there is there evidence of the, of uh, progress on this in, in the federal government or elsewhere that indicates it's moving in that direction
3: uh, there's been lots published on it um <clears throat> and it's really hard to get an exact um but, but you're seeing evidence in bits and pieces of it yeah. you're seeing where some of the banks you know like uh um the bank of america decided it wasn't going to uh a, allow uh, a customer to bank with them anymore because they didn't like what they were doing socially. Uh-huh.
2: Right?
3: You're seeing bits and pieces of this, but the bank, but if you uh, do a little bit of homework, uh, and, and again, this is, this is, uh, maybe a little bit on the edge right now. Yeah. Um, uh, but, um, it clearly provides an option, uh, for, for you and I to put ourselves on the gold standard and, uh, And and if enough people do this, uh, it becomes at least a a, a partial uh, balance to uh, what's what's going crazy. So interesting. Well,
1: uh, one concern I have is, uh, you know, I'm proud to be from the free state of Florida. I think we've got a great uh, governor. I think we've got great uh, legislatures. But uh, that's not true in every state. Uh, and, of course, there are elections and things happen. Uh, what happens if you get somebody who is behind the CBDC, uh, the central bank digital currency, and uh, yeah, I'm just concerned about the welfare of money in a government situation? Uh, and, and it's a fair concern.
3: Um, but I would argue if you do your homework on what the CBDC is all about and yeah. how how aggressively <clears throat> they are implementing it, um, you know, there's nothing more scary, than, 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 in my view, than them weaponizing and, and taking control of your money. Uh,
1: Kevin Freeman's book is called Pirate Money. Pirate Money, I'm going to jump on it at the end of the show, Keith. It's a really interesting concept. It's not about education today, but I hope you'll check out goflca.org. Goflca.org It's the website for the Florida's uh, Citizens Alliance, terrific organization. And while you're there, uh, write a check or you know, make a donation because they do terrific work. Keith, really appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Sure, Bob. Have a great week. You as well. Thank you so much. All right, coming up, we're going to be visiting with Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
0: for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Hartman Broadcasting Network.
1: Are you looking to buy or sell a home? This hands-on approach has helped them set several sales records in Pelican Bay and many at near-record prices. Megan and Matt Chionis understand that as an affluent buyer-seller, your needs and desires are unique. You deserve this level of service. Megan and Matt Chionis are passionate about the Naples lifestyle and they want you to enjoy it too. Call Megan and Macionis with Gulf Coast International Properties at 239-269-5310. That's 239-269-5310.
0: Bob
1: thanks so much for joining us here on the show we're providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty personal responsibility limited government and the rule of law coming up we're going to be visiting with the former mayor of naples bill barnett right now we have with us seaton motley seaton is the founder and president of less government seaton thank you so much for joining us Good morning. Good morning, Seton. I love the title of your organization, Less Government. It's uh, not only the name of an organization, but an aspiration.
4: <laughs> it's, yes, yeah, it's, it's a mission statement. Uh, yeah, unfortunately, D.C. doesn't have that mission.
1: No, it doesn't, Seton. Nor
4: does any government anywhere.
1: You know, I, I, we've talked about this in the past, but I want to bring it up. Yesterday, apparently, was the first day of the trial of... Uh, JetBlue, the United States government squaring off against uh, JetBlue in the merger with Spirit, and uh, to me, for the life of me, I can't understand how the federal government can stick its nose in the private enterprise like this in such a meaningless uh, deal. It's going to obviously be great for both of them, but it's not. It's, it's not going to hurt. It's not a. Uh, it's no. It's not a,
4: It's not a competition <laughs> problem. In fact, it, it actually helps with competition. The big four airlines dominate uh, the the marketplace. They they control like seventy eight percent of the marketplace between the four and the big four: Delta, American, United, and Southwest. Yeah, and then it's a huge, obviously it's a huge drop off after seventy eight percent. You know, I think I think JetBlue and Spirit are number six and number eight. So then combining still they'll be half the size of number four Southwest. Yeah. So to make an argument that this is some sort of way to prevent, you know, anti-competitive behavior is ridiculous. In fact, it makes the two entities combined into a more competitive entity against the big four. I mean, it's the exact opposite of what the justice department, the, uh, the, the uh, FTC federal trade commission is, is going to court to, argue is that this is anti-competitive and it's it, it, the marketplace right now is less competitive than it would be after this merger so it's completely absurd
1: well not not only is this happening under the fcc but in addition to that now yesterday the justice department came out and backed the fcc in uh, fighting this merger so
4: FTC, FTC. Yeah. Th- once again, we have redundancies in government. I know that comes as a galloping shock to everybody, <laughs> but you, you have the federal trade commission and then you have the antitrust division of the justice department, which does the exact same thing. Yeah. Um, so what you, what you have is, you know, one, one left hand uh, of the government, you know, applauding the other left hand of the government. Um, it's, it's, It's both entities that exist to do the same thing, agreeing with each other, which, of course, isn't a shocker. So, I mean, can can you imagine an instance where the FTC is going to go after something for, you know, to block something or oppose something? And the antitrust division of the Justice Department comes in and goes, no, we disagree with the FTC. No, No, I don't see that happening.
1: But it's such egregious behavior, and it's such an interference into uh, the private, private enterprise
4: and free market. Well, listen, I, I want, you know, I don't want to, I know I'm, it's less government, but it's not no government. Yeah. I don't, I want the FTC going after Amazon. Now, what they're talking about doing with Amazon, for instance, is breaking up the fulfillment, the delivery system from the retail. Yeah. That's not what needs to happen. What needs to happen is Amazon Web Services has to be separated from Amazon Retail. Amazon Retail almost never makes money. Right. It breaks even. What what Bezos has been doing for decades now, a decade plus, is he's subsidizing retail with his Amazon Web Services profits. So it's completely anti-competitive. The whole entity, as huge as Amazon Retail is, it is entirely anti-competitive because it's being subsidized tens of billions of dollars a year by Amazon Web Services. Now, what other retailer has that at their disposal to compete with Amazon? Nobody no one
1: does. Yeah, and of course, so I
4: want the government inserting itself in stuff like that. And even when they're they're actually going after Amazon, finally finally, and they're not talking about Amazon Web Services, which is the key to the whole thing.
1: It is amazing scene because, uh, uh, quite frankly, the, the, the uh, Amazon Web Services is so cozy with the United States government. A lot of their contracts are with the oh,
4: yes. U- United yes. States In government. In fact, I, w- w- there was a big, under Obama, uh, Obama started a little tiny division of the uh, Defense Department that was going to g- do tech pr- procurement, Okay and they put, and Obama put in charge of the tech procurement uh, d- division that he created a guy who worked for Amazon Web Services. Ah. And they were going to do a giant Defense Department contract you know, to, to, to do all their cloud services. And it, w- it was originally drawn up to be a multi-provider thing because, of course, it makes sense for the entire Defense Department to have as redundancies and backups more than one provider. Well, as soon as he hired the Amazon Web Services guy, he rewrote the description of the contract, contractor description, so that, so that only Amazon met the specifications.
1: Don't I remember that it, tr- Trump came in and actually undid Trump that deal? Trump came
4: in and said, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. This is not, this is not kosher. Yeah. And their Defense Department basically reviewed it and literally in like a week said, no, <laughs> no, this isn't right. And then it ended up going to Microsoft. Now again, one's not good, but the fact is, at least they broke up this inside crony deal. Yeah. And then, of course, what did Amazon, who who when they had, when they'd sewn up the crony deal the entire time, we need to get you know we need to get this done immediately because the Defense Department can't wait. This is too important to national security. And then, as soon as Microsoft won, Amazon sued yeah. <laughs> Said, we need to, to delay the, to delay the execution of the contract. So yes, so yeah, Amazon. All these trillion dollar companies spend. I just saw uh, TikTok, you know, the Chinese social media company spent like thirty eight million dollars in quarter three on lobbying to stay alive because, of course, we should kill them in the United States.
1: Uh, so it's uh, really pleased me to see that, that Pfizer's earnings are down. They <laughs> pushed all these vaccines on the how, Ameri- how
4: could they not be? The COVID thing's dead. <laughs> it's, to,
1: to me, at, at all the manipulation. That's like
4: saying, Neil <laughs> we just remeasured him, and he's only one. he's not 7'2". <laughs> yeah. um,
1: Oh, uh, my goodness. Seton Molly, again, the founder and president of Less Government. I encourage you to very, visit the very robust website, uh, lessgovernment.org. I always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us.
4: Appreciate it. Thank you, sir. My
1: pleasure indeed. All right, coming up, we're going to be visiting with Dr. George Barkovich, orthopedic surgeon, that and more, uh, right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
0: Show here on the Bob Hartman Broadcasting Network.
1: Two-thirds of parents prefer educational options for their children, with forty percent strongly preferring options for their child's education. School choice is a growing movement, one that is already lifting thousands of kids across America.
0: the Bob Hartman show and now here's your host
1: Bob Harton. thanks so much for joining us here on the show we just listened to the uh, commercial for Dr. George Markovich for the orthopedic uh, with the uh, uh, orthopedic surgeon and uh, he replaced both of my knees in 2006 he also replaced my hip in the last couple of years and I'm just so grateful for his care just as a fantastic job Dr. Markovich thank you so much for joining us here on the show
2: my pleasure, Bob. Good morning.
1: Good morning to you. So I thought we'd just change topics a little bit today. Instead of talking about medicine and orthopedics, uh, just be interested in your thoughts on what's happening in the Middle East. Uh,
2: well, you know, obviously very complex. I, I will tell you, as a physician, uh, the sanctity of life, uh, helping people is the most noble cause. It's what I've dedicated my life to. And, you know, um, I think that um, when you help people, uh, you also get to know them and and try to understand them, and so I think um, it, it's important to examine kind of the history of uh, where people come from and and what their belief system is. You know, I, I've been to the Middle East, I've been to Israel, uh, and uh, it, it's a it's a wonderful place with wonderful people. And I think that if you go back in history, obviously a very complex history, and try to understand uh, the, the Jewish experience uh, being slaves uh, by the Egyptians, uh, of course, you know, when people enslave you, they, they, they want you to, you know, build things and do things for them. And, you know, there's been many psychological experiments to you know, examined uh, that, uh, you know, way of thinking. Uh, there's other types of people that uh, come along that really uh, b- believe in, in such ardent things, re- religious-based, you know, just that, that want to eliminate other people. And, mm-hmm. and that kind of thinking is, is hard to understand. And, and that goes for thousands of years. Uh, you know, Jewish people have been the people of the book uh <clears throat> the the torah and and all those things that uh you know gave the world the 10 commandments and uh, additional rules uh of of cleanliness and education and, and uh, appreciation of literature and and arts and things like that which has led to uh you know some um <clears throat> ill feelings by people that don't understand that uh for instance uh, a true pandemic in the middle ages ages was the black plague and It's true that uh, the Jewish populations in Europe did not perish to the rate that other ones around them did. It's because of uh, some of the things that they did, the way they ate, the way they, uh, you know, cleaned things and and things like that. Mm -hmm. And and so, you know, that that led to uh, uh, some some feeling of negativity. Uh, So that was obviously promulgated during uh, World War II. Uh, where there was an uh, attempt to exterminate uh, those uh, people. Um, and when the war ended, interestingly enough, Bob, you know, again, I've been to Europe as well, and what you learn when you go to Amsterdam at the uh, Anne Frank House and you go to uh, Yad Vashem and Jerusalem is that the people that were displaced when they came home, <clears throat> they didn't have a home anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, their neighbors took over their homes, and so they had nowhere to go. And that's how Israel came about in 1948. Uh, it resurrected an idea from the late 1800s by a young uh, uh, Austrian lawyer, uh, Theodor Herzl, where <clears throat> a Jews that had been persecuted in the past needed a homeland. And um, they, they looked at different things and they decided to uh, adopt this land uh, in the Middle East uh, for that purpose they resurrected a dead language. Hebrew hadn't been spoken for decades, Hmm. Uh, yet they brought that language back because they wanted to start anew. They didn't want Yiddish and some of the other types of languages spoken. It had a Germanic sort of uh, background, and of course, uh, that uh, was problematic And that people that, uh, you know, had that language were trying to exterminate them. And Complex history, obviously, uh, almost immediately uh, there was a war uh, after the initial Jews that that had that opportunity invited the Arabs in that area to join them, to build, to educate, to uh, have something more than what they had. And that was rejected, and um, Israel fought. and and preserved in 1948 and then again 1956 and then in 1967 they decided to expand to natural borders to try to uh you know uh figure out a way to survive mm. um and uh then uh after uh winning that war rather decisively there was another war and then this history and the narrative started to change much like you know uh Uh, The Internet changed uh, society, and AI is uh, uh, poised to change society. There became this belief where you can trade land for peace, and uh, you should understand your enemies and and try to figure out a way to coexist and and give and give and give. Well, on October 7th, it became very clear uh, that some people don't want to negotiate. They want to kill innocent people civilians, and uh, make their mark in a barbaric, unjustified way. I don't think there can be any justification. There can be no negotiation with people that believe that kind of thing. And again, uh, as a physician, as a father, as somebody that understands history and people very, very well, uh, it, it, it's, it's quite clear that um, anybody that can do barbaric things like that uh, are very difficult to contend with. So, you know, a little bit of history, um, yeah. and, uh, you know, I try to be as objective as I can. Uh, I try to uh, listen, uh, because you can't really learn when you talk. But uh, I'd like to listen to your perspective and, and your viewers' perspective, I just wanted to share a little bit about uh, some current thoughts.
1: Well, I'm so happy you did. I frankly, uh, you introduced me to some some concepts and uh, history that I wasn't aware of. So, thank you so much for that for that contribution. I mean, right now it's just a very difficult situation, and uh, what I think is that the uh, the Israelis right now are showing re- restraint in how they're handling the situation. They're, they're dropping leaflets, they're trying to let people know, but uh, go someplace where you won't get hurt if you're. Uh, if you're a palestinian although i think many palestinians agree with and support hamas obviously they elected him in the first place into uh, into their government so uh, the point being though is that it this to your point it has to be eradicated has, you know and the people that have committed these atrocities must pay, must pay a price and let's face it you know anytime you do something there are consequences so the, what the uh, hamas did there are consequences. They have to pay those consequences, and uh, that's right. I think that's what the Israeli government is up to and, and trying to do right now.
2: Right, and, and you know, what's what's interesting, <clears throat> again, you know, after Pearl Harbor, it became pretty clear and galvanized and, uh, uh, you know, uh, 9-11 and so forth. But when you look at history, uh, the Wailing Wall was buried under dirt, uh, when Israel took over Jerusalem, mm. it did. It, it was you know, the, the Jewish people understand history and appreciate goodness in the world. They 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 don't try to convert other people of different religions. Uh, you know, they believe in democracy. Their their system is, is based on the British system: strong prime minister, weak president, court systems, things like that. And and it, it, there's very disparate points of view in that very very small country. Yep uh you know the the people that elected Hamas may not have known what they were electing or they were coerced good because this is a group of people that believe in killing other people for no reason but for their religion they they kill uh people that believe in things that we believe in as 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 americans you know whether you're uh for women's rights uh whether you're for Uh, LGBTQ belief systems and and alternative lifestyles, whether you're for freedom of speech, uh, whether you're for anything, uh, you know, those people uh, don't believe in that. They have very strict laws against that, and in their charter is to eliminate the state of Israel. So, you know, the the, the people that elected them, um, (laughs) you know, or the people that were forced to elect them, it comes from a very uh, uh it's a theocracy that's yeah. uh based in Iran yeah
1: no question. Dr. George Markovich, listen, before I, I let you go, I want to make sure that our listeners understand that uh, you are a terrific surgeon. I'm just so grateful that I met you, grateful that you took care of me through all these years and uh, developed our good friendships. I'm so grateful for that as well. And uh, I'm just recommending to our listeners, if you have joint pain, if first of all, you shouldn't live in pain. You need to uh, eradicate that. I think the best person to see is Dr. George Markovich, you can give them a call at 482-5399, 482-5399. Dr. Markovich, always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Such an interesting conversation. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Bob. Have a great day. You as well. Thank you. All right, coming up, we're going to be visiting with Bill Barnett, former mayor of Naples, that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week all year round. Visit Blue Provencenaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's Blue Provencenaples.com or call 261 8239. That's 261 8239. Blue Provence French restaurant in the heart of Old Naples.
0: Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden.
1: Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Golf Shore Playhouse, changing lives through exceptional theater experiences. And I hope you go to the website. There are some great performances coming up. You can get tickets at golfshoreplayhouse.org. Golfshore We have with us the former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett. Bill, thank you so much for joining us here on the show.
5: Well, Bob, thank you for having me on the show all these years, uh, uh, and has been a uh, has been a good time for us. I'll say that much. Uh, lots of interesting conversation
1: oh, No question about it. I, I think it's probably more than fifteen years that we've been meeting weekly like this. So.
5: <laughs> that's a long. That's a long time. So, so let me uh, give you a little city, a little city update. Perfect. Um, uh, uh, Gary Price uh, has um, uh, announced. Okay, he's so, running. For, he's running for mayor. Uh, he's right for mayor. Yeah, we'll, we'll we'll keep we'll keep harping on that. And um, tonight, uh, uh, Coach Bill Kramer uh, will be announcing down at uh, Cambier Park by the Band shell at five thirty. Great, and uh, he is a uh, he's a great candidate and a, and a great human being. Here's a guy that's uh, not only just known for being a, a superb coach of Naples high football team that's not a, a reason within itself to run but because he is so well known about working with kids uh, over the years uh, they don't have to be football players to have him all of a sudden say hey here's a kid that needs some 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 help some uh, advice uh, uh, some life's advice and uh, he um, he's been a city resident for a long time and as I say he's He's uh, um, uh, new at the politics game, but he's not really because, as I say, he knows the city so well. So, uh, Bill Kramer, um, man, man of um, great I'm, character.
1: He's a, uh, uh, I just, absolutely. I just really appreciate, and he will make a great city council member. So, uh, yes, he will. Wish I could yep, vote because I'd vote for him.
5: Yeah, we'll figure out a way to get you to do that, Bob. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> and uh, so our our. Uh, our this, this transparent mayor, uh, who's always uh, 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 talking about transparency, which is probably about the last thing she does, but uh, um, so she sends an email, okay, mm-hmm. to some friends saying she is announcing uh, at a home on Alameda Drive on on I believe it's Friday, um, and um, but at the end of her email saying, uh, and the email is, is, is like a like a brochure. Saying all the things that she's done uh, in the last four years, which of course we all know that uh, she didn't do them. If anything, if they got done, they got done because of council, but it wasn't because of her initiative. I'll, I'll say that much. But yeah. the thing is, is that um, she's uh, um, she. And the end of the at the end of the the note, it says, um, "Please do not share this. Um, uh, do not share this." So it becomes public record when she sends it. Okay, she doesn't want anybody to, to know about it uh, until Friday. So I just don't—I don't get it, Bob. I, I just don't get it. You no. Know. And then, um, of course, Ted Blankenship uh, has officially announced uh, as uh, running for mayor against uh, Gary and I, I guess uh, Teresa. Um, and um, Ted's a nice guy. He, he is a nice guy, but I don't understand his motives. Uh, for running for mayor either. He doesn't have any experience. He's got one, doesn't even have a full year under his, a full four years under his belt for his term on council. Um, and uh, yet he's decided that he, he wants to go ahead and, and be mayor. Well, you know, look, that's what makes it, makes our politics nice. Anybody can, you know, that's qualified can do it. And, um, that's, uh, that's the latest. There will be another candidate coming out uh, next week, I believe, yeah. and I'll give you more about that uh, uh, next week.
1: So uh, with regard to city council, for example, let's suppose there's uh, how many, I think there are, what, two or three positions that are going to be uh, 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 voted on this this February or March?
5: Right, correct. So there, there's going to be, there's actually four Um Three council uh, and the mayor.
1: Okay, so the uh, with regard to city councils, is it the top vote getters that end up getting the seats.
5: That is correct. Okay, that is correct. Uh, that's the way it is. It's just nonpartisan in the city, and uh, top vote getters get the get the seats. You're not running for somebody's seat. Is basically what we're saying. You're Right.
1: Exactly. So well, that's that's good. Yeah, but the thing is uh these seats in many cases, it's just a few votes that make a difference for these candidates i hope you know if if uh if you're voting in naples uh, i'm not a naples resident i can't vote in naples i'm a Kaya county guy but uh that, irrespective uh, vote make sure you vote if you can if you live in in uh naples the city of naples make sure you vote because right. it can make a big difference
5: yeah it certainly does and this year is going to be very special i mean it's uh uh, it's a big election. Plus, it's a presidential primary, so you always get a bigger turnout, ah. which is a good thing. So, we'll be we'll be pushing that real hard when it gets uh, when it gets close to the election for sure, and a lot more. Before so, I let
1: you go, Bill, do you want to make any yeah. comments or thoughts about uh, what's happening in Israel and Hamas?
5: Uh, you know, Bob, well, you and I could we could probably spend the rest of the morning talking about that whole mess over there. But um, I'm 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 sickened over it. I just um, it's a terrible thing, and then in, in this morning's paper, in, uh, in the post, it says Hamas is saying we'll kill again, again, and again. Yep. It's like, these people are maniacs. I, I don't know what else to say, you know? Yeah. But um, we'll, the, I think Israel has got to be persistent, yeah. and um, I think they will, and um, it's just uh, an unfortunate thing. And then, I know i got to get, get off the air here, uh, cover is... Uh, these anti-Israel activists ripped down hostage poster, uh, posters in petty acts of hate. It's on the cover of the New York Post this morning. These kids are ripping posters down of um, mm. of Israel Israeli children that are missing. Uh, I mean, w- w- Bob, I know. how can you how do you do you explain it?
1: You just can't. You just can't. It's uh, right. v- It's sick and right. it's very sad. Uh, what we need in in uh, Palestine is to get. Uh, some new leadership, somebody who come aboard and say, "Look, uh, it's uh, our religion's important to us, but the well-being of human beings and making sure that we're living coexisting with other people—that's what we need. Somebody who takes a leadership position and can uh, take the people. You know, the fish rots from the head down. When you have right. poor leadership, you end up with what you have there in uh, in Palestine.
5: Right. Right. Exactly. Exactly.
1: Bill Barnett, so- former. Former Mayor (laughs) of Naples, just always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us.
5: Bob, my pleasure, and have a good rest of the week. You as well. Thank
1: you so much, Bill. Well, that's a wrap here in today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. We've got great guests for tomorrow's show, including William Yatman. He's a senior legal fellow with Pacific Legal Foundation. Michael Cannon, Director of Health Policy Studies at the uh, Cato Institute. Bill uh, Beanan. Uh, Bynum, I, sh- I should say, uh, incorrect. He's the, he's the guy who invented the turkey drop for the last 15 years at uh, St. Matthew's House. are going to find out about that, as well as Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston in space architecture. So if you enjoyed the show, and I really appreciate your listening, please tell your friends. That's one of the ways we get the word out and support our advertisers. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste.